0: This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.
1: Lord Jesus, nothing we can do apart from you is worth anything. And I pray that in this seminar you will speak through me, that you will help each person who listens to this to see how they can connect deeply with you and get rid of the things that hold them back from the surrender to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, we've just finished talking about several steps to how to overcome, um, and many of those are common knowledge, You and many of you kind of may feel like, well, that's a ladder I've read through a lot of times. You've got to do this, you know, claim responsibility, tell the truth, find accountability, all those things. You know, people are used to hearing some of those um, suggestions. But one of those is what this entire presentation is about, getting to the root of the issues. This is something a lot of people don't do, and that's why their addiction keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. So I want to start out by talking about dandelions. You know, in everything in life, God gives us lessons in nature and in his word that help us to understand the principles of spiritual things. Yesterday... We talked about how physical healing and emotional healing are mirror image. They they fit together. They follow a parallel path. And if you can't figure out why you don't have emotional healing, maybe it's something that you can look to the process of physical healing and understand if infection is a sin, then what happens? You know, infection represents sin in our minds, and, and understanding how to break free from those things will help us to find emotional healing. I want to use now the illustration of a dandelion. How many of you have ever tried to pull up a dandelion? Dandelions are very easy to remove from your yard if all you want to do is remove the visible evidence thereof, right? You just grab them, rip, there go the leaves and the flowers and you're done, right? Except that tomorrow there'll be another dandelion there, right? This is the problem with the approach that many people take to overcoming sexual addiction. They don't realize what a deep-rooted issue it is because a dandelion has this taproot that goes way down deep. And this is how addiction works. All kinds of addiction, not just sexual addiction, but sexual addiction has a very deep root because it goes right down to the heart of who we are. So suppose that I were to send my daughter, she's eight years old and so beautiful, she'll be here this afternoon. Um, If I were to send my daughter out into the yard and say, I want you to get rid of all the dandelions, what would she do? As a good eight-year-old, she would probably start picking them. And if my yard looked like this, that might be an indication to you um, that maybe this problem has been going on for some time, right? But could she still get rid of all those dandelions by picking them? Yeah, you give her an hour or two, she can pull all the dandelions off, right? Now, if I told her, get the roots out, it's going to be a lot more difficult, isn't it? She's not going to be able to, frankly. You know, as a little 8-year-old, she doesn't have the strength, never mind the perseverance, to dig, to get the root out of every single one of that whole field of dandelions. It's not going to happen. And so she is not going to be able to do it. And the next thing that's going to happen is my yard is going to look like this. Millions of dandelions out there spreading their millions of seeds. And what am I going to do? Next year, my whole yard is going to be a solid wall of dandelions, right? Now, this is not meant to be... discouragement to any of you some of you your hearts may already feel to you like they are that whole field of dandelions or maybe the whole field of dandelions going to seed we try and we try to overcome the addiction and we just find I just can't over and over I've got this problem every time I think I've gotten it beaten then it's back again and when a person has struggled with sexual sin for a long time They really have a strong temptation to unbelief, saying, maybe God isn't going to help me. There must be something I'm missing. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. That experience of battling and failing again and again is so deadening spiritually that, you know, many times, especially for a man, you know, he hates to not be in control and find that he is so weak. So he'll just kind of go, well, you know, that's the way we all are. None of us can actually overcome it. That's unbelief. The Word of God says that you can Overcome Not by your own strength, but by Christ working in you. When you fall into that temptation, though, that feeling of, whatever, I'll never be able to overcome this anyway, the best I can do is try to keep mowing the yard, keep the dandelions down, right? Keep it down to a minimum. And really, when we go out there and we try to overcome the sexual addiction, the problems, we end up sometimes kind of more like, Playing with it, You know, just, oh, well, I might as well just enjoy it for a little while, right? This is what happens with the cycle of evil, of sexual addiction. A person tries to get the plant out. They just can't seem to get it out. And then even if they do get one root out, then they find, oh, man, there are all these other ones. It went to seed before I caught it. Now there are all the others. And the more they think about it, you know, they try to get rid of all those um, CDs. And then they think, well, let me just listen to it one last time before I throw it away. Well, let me look through the magazine one last time. We just start playing with the dandelions, and we don't ever actually get to the root of dealing with them all. A person often gets distracted from the process of overcoming evil. Why? Because we're tired of it. We're tired of fighting. And I know those words ring true for a lot of people who have battled with this kind of addiction. You get so tired of fighting, you just want to relax and slide. The problem is we haven't built a deep enough love relationship with Jesus Christ to give us the motivation to get up and keep fighting because he got up and kept fighting. He went through this for you. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows how it feels. He died to set you free. Don't give up. When you're tempted to give up, rather than saying, No, i got to keep going. got to keep climbing this terrible mountain that I can never break free from spend time with jesus think about what he went through to set you free that will give you the power you need to keep getting up and keep going it's true that sexual addiction is a deep-rooted sin issue and the devil will tell you it's so deep that you yourself personally will never be able to break free from it it's a lie of the devil don't believe it for a second if there was no hope to set you free jesus wouldn't have bothered to come and die for you but he did He loves you like that. He values you like that. When you wonder whether he really loves you after all that you've done, think about the cross. He went to the cross knowing how much it was going to hurt and saying, but when I think about Nicole, when I think about him and I think about her, I would rather go down there and suffer like they do and die in their place than let them go through it alone. I can't bear to let her go I love her so much I can't bear to let him go he's worth so much to me when you don't know if you're lovable anymore when you don't know if you're worth anything more look to the cross look to creation he created you in his image that body that you have including those sexual organs he created you in his image for a specific reason because he loves you with an everlasting love and he loves you you with all of your problems and all of your weaknesses and all of your acne and all of your weak, you know, weak-willed problems and everything. He loves you. He died for you. You're still worth all of that. There's nothing that you can do that can take away from your infinite worth in the light of God's love. When you meditate on that, it will give you the strength to stop just going, forget it, I'm just going to fall into it. Now, I want to liken also the sexual addiction process to bamboo. Now, many of you have seen bamboo. It's a beautiful plant. It can grow almost all over the world. Bamboo is really powerful. It's also very invasive. Some people say the only way to really get rid of bamboo is to just pour bleach on it. You just can't kill the stuff. That may make you understand why I'm using it as an allegory for sexual addiction. It feels that way sometimes for the person who's battling with sexual addiction. Sexual sin can be like bamboo. It can take a year or two for a bamboo to put up a shoot at all. You plant the plant and nothing comes up, nothing comes up, nothing comes up for a long time. Why? Because the bamboo is investing first in putting in a deep root system. Bamboo grows from rhizomes. Rhizomes that they build this whole vast network underneath the ground and when they've got their whole network in place They pop up a little shoot And another one and another one and bamboo has been known to grow as much as 39 inches in one day You can like practically see that growing you imagine 39 inches that's like as tall as my son, you know, whoa in one day it can grow like that. Why can it do that? because it's already established its network. It's got strength. And when a sexual addiction acts up, when a person starts doing things, particularly when a person gets into a sin-like adultery, it's got a network of roots underneath the surface, and it can grow up fast and totally surprise you, overwhelm you with its intensity, its power. Some people who have fallen into adultery are kind of just like, you know, I don't know what happened. I just, you know, had this... Suddenly I fell... And when a person tells me I suddenly fell, I know nothing like that happens suddenly. Even if, okay, suppose I suddenly say a swear word when I, you know, I slam my finger in the door and I swear. Well, there was a process that led to the event of me being able to do something like that. A process of cultivating wrong words, of cultivating anger, maybe of watching movies that have swearing in them. You know, you've cultivated a sin like that before it comes out in an action. But for a sexual sin to occur, particularly something in which you know that there are huge potential consequences like adultery, there's got to be an established root system underneath it. When a person starts acting out sexually, you can know that there's a root system underneath it, like the bamboo. Now, experts will tell you, if you want to get rid of bamboo, the first thing that you need to do is get rid of all the canes, chop it down, chop everything down so you stop the process of photosynthesis, so it's not getting all the strength from the sun. But that's not enough. If you just chop down all the bamboo, you're not going to deal with it at all. It's just going to establish its root system even deeper and start sending up stuff faster. Um, instead, the first step is cutting off all of those things. And we've talked about a lot of things you can use, processes by which you can cut off the behaviors, the things that are really fruit sins of root sin issues. The next thing you have to do and the thing you must do is deal with the roots. What are the roots of sexual addiction? What happens to cause a person to spring into sexual sin? See, a lot of people have this mentality, I've got it under control. They think they can keep their sexual sin contained. No, 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 it's just my toy, you know, it's just my pet snake. It's not going to ever be able to overwhelm me. They think they've got their little root system of their bamboo all under control. Don't worry. Isn't it beautiful? Sit so nicely on my table, my little bamboo pot. Don't worry. It'll never take over my life. But they don't realize you can never play with sin. When you mess with the devil, you always go farther than you think you will because you've already committed the sin of pride, thinking, I don't need God. I've got this thing under control. And you've committed the sin of unbelief. God has said, don't do this. Don't play with the devil. And when you say, well, God doesn't really know what he's doing, that's what you're really doing. When you say, I can mess with this a little bit. I can take that second lingering look. I can just fantasize. I can just watch that movie. I know, I know, it's probably going to make me feel even more lonely by the time the credits roll, but I've got it under control. I won't, I won't do those things. No, you'll always go farther than you think you will. Is sexual sin the unpardonable sin? People know that. Most people will give me the right answer. No, sexual sin is not the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? It's sin It's the sin against the Holy Spirit. See, you guys are all educated. But I would submit to you that sexual sin often comes as the fruit of the root sin of sin against the Holy Spirit. So is sexual sin the unpardonable sin? No. But isn't it evidence that the devil has got some serious inroads into your life and he's trying to push you toward the unpardonable sin? Absolutely. It's time for you to pay serious attention to the conviction of the Holy Spirit because if you let it keep sliding, rationalizing, "Nah, I'm all right, I mean, come on, sexual sin isn't the unpardonable sin, you may end up just taking that dandelion and blowing the seeds all over your yard and you're going to have a hundred times the problem a month later. What God wants you to do is surrender to him deal with the root issues sexual sin is the fruit of a process of committing the unpardonable sin if you still feel conviction if you still want freedom from that sin you've not yet committed the unpardonable sin so those who are struggling with maybe there's just nothing god can do for me i just wish i were dead i know i know a lot of you have thought those thoughts because i know how i felt Many people come to me saying, I just wish I could die. Why? Because I'm caught in sexual sin, and no matter how hard I try, I never break truly free. It's a desperate feeling, but don't believe the devil's lie. You can break free. You can be free. You can live victoriously. Jesus went through everything that we go through, and he came out victorious. His victory is ours. But you won't find freedom if you just try to push away the conviction and say, I'll deal with it soon. I'm just going to you know, cultivate this for a little while. Just blow the seeds onto my yard now. Don't worry, I'll deal with it later. God has promised that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of, from all unrighteousness. So if you have committed sexual sin, I don't want you to for a second feel hopeless. Remember, that's the message of the devil. Shame, saying you are bad. Even the blood of Jesus can't set you free. Don't... Even cultivate those thoughts because just thinking that way will blow those seeds of unbelief onto your yard and bear bitter fruit in your life. Don't allow yourself to believe for a moment what the devil says. I've seen people who can send themselves spiraling into a depression that can last for weeks by five minutes of thinking thoughts that they know are straight from the devil. Nobody loves me, anybody. I'll never. Nobody ever loves me. Nobody will ever love me. I wish I were dead. There's no hope for somebody like me. You know, I, I just, I've sinned too much. I don't think even God cares. Whatever those sins are, you know, sit down in your time with Jesus. Take a piece of paper and say, Lord, reveal to me what the lies are that the devil's been telling me. Lies that I've been believing. And then meet them with the word of God. You'll be able to see. God will tell you these are the things you've been believing. What are the things that go through your mind when you feel down? Those who have been caught in that cycle of sexual addiction for a while, there are lies that are firmly embedded in your mind, things that you think whenever you've fallen, I am whatever it is, whatever those lies are, you know what they are, the Lord knows what they are, he wants to set you free, those are the roots of your sexual addiction, the lies that you believe about the character of God, the times that you refuse to deal with those sinful thoughts, and instead you just say, it's okay, forget it, I don't really feel the need for Christ this here is a picture of our garden I don't know how well you can see it with the light and you know the great thing about this garden is that one day I went to bed with just you know plain grass in the lawn in the backyard and the next morning I woke up and there it was a whole garden all that corn ready to be picked and tomatoes green beans it was just like that It just popped up right out of the ground one night you believe me in rows like that no less you see Raccoons wanted some corn. They planted it. What, what happens when a person has planted a garden like that? You look at the garden, you know it was cultivated, right? This garden was cultivated. And Now, I, I don't want to be too harsh because I know many people who listen to this um, message will have struggled with fornication or adultery issues. They will have fallen into not just fantasizing or porn, not that... Porn or masturbation or fantasy are small sins, but they're sins that don't have such intense consequences. People who have fallen into actually committing sexual sins with other people can deal with you know, STDs, um, pregnancies, broken marriages, and, and the increased amount of shattered emotion and, and shattered ability to believe that God can forgive you. I don't want to minimize one kind of sexual addiction, but I have to mention that when a person falls into adultery or, or some kind of sexual acting out in which they're actually interacting sexually with another person, this can make you feel really dirty, really hopeless. But the problem is you've cultivated roots. Don't think. I can't ever break free. Look at what terrible things I've done. i participated in this orgy. I've done, you know, there are terrible things that people have done. People who will listen to this and think, if anyone else knew what I had done, they would never even allow me in the church again. These are lies of the devil, but the important thing is you've got to realize you've cultivated something for a while to get to the point where you can do something like this. When somebody says to me something like this, um... You know, I, I did commit a sexual sin. I, I did cheat on my spouse, but, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't really a fall. It was just a little slip. I just made a mistake. Shouldn't have done that, but it was just a little slip. I know this person is still committing a profound sin against the Holy Spirit. There are some very deep-rooted issues going on there. So if you feel truly devastated and terrible about your sin and what you've done, rejoice. God has sent his spirit to work in your heart to bring you true repentance. Do not be discouraged by that process. Jesus has done powerful things in your life and already you're bearing the fruits of repentance. It's evident in your life in your life, that you're really sorry for what you've done. Those roots are going to need to be dealt with though. You're going to have to go back to that very deep sense of I'm not worth anything unless somebody finds me attractive. And I'm worth so much more if more people find me attractive. The more and more people that find me attractive, the higher my level of worth becomes or the higher my ability to believe that I'm really loved comes. You see, you can can find, you know, I should have taken a picture of our garden right before we left. It looks more like this now. It's all weeds. Everything's gone. Weeds don't have to be cultivated per se because they'll grow on their own. Now, that other garden you could see. It's all in rows. It's been weeded. It took work to make it look like that. But weeds, they'll grow very happily all by themselves. Sexual addiction is partly like weeds because it grows when you're not looking. But the fact that you're not looking, the fact that you allow it to grow means you are still responsible for the fruits in your life. When... A sexual addiction issue grows and grows. You may say, but I didn't do anything. Yeah, but what did you not do? You did not spend deep quality time with Jesus, abiding in his love. Yesterday we talked about the sponge and how sometimes our hearts are like a sponge that's dry. And we need to immerse it in God's love. But so often we'll immerse our heart in the the love of God like the sink full of warm water. And yet when we pull the sponge back out, it's still dry. I tried and tried. I spent two hours reading the Bible and trying to pray, but God still feels so far away. And so we fall into sexual addiction. The problem is that that sponge has a Ziploc bag around it, keeping it dry so that no matter how much you push your heart into trying to believe in the love that God has for you, you come up dry. You're still thirsty. You're still desperate. You still feel unloved and worthless. And the problem is, you've got this bag of unbelief around your mind, lies that you believe that the devil tells you. Like, God doesn't really love you, nobody really loves you, you always do everything wrong. Whatever it is, those lies that ring in your mind are unbelief. They make you feel that you're not loved, you're not worthwhile, and then you are going to be an addict looking for a fix. You're going to be an idolater looking for a god to worship. You can't fix that problem. You must go to Christ. You must let the word of God pierce through that unbelief. Point it directly at the problems that you're struggling with. Say, Lord, this is what I feel. Please deliver me from this lie that I'm believing. As you do that, you'll find that God is able to pierce through and make you believe in the love that he has for you. Look at the cross. Look at creation. Look how much he has invested in you. You are worth that much. You are loved that much. You really are. Believe it. And you will find that God will set you free. Now, when a person falls into profound sexual sin, it's kind of like this tree I have in the picture. The tree looked fine until it fell down. But when it fell down... It was suddenly evident that a process of rotting and decay had been happening for years inside that tree. That's what leads to the fall. When a person falls into adultery, do not believe for a second. They say, oh man, you know, it was just because she was so beautiful and I couldn't resist her and my wife wasn't attractive enough and she hasn't been giving me enough sex and so I had to. You know, I had a guy tell me one time, You know, it's always just right there for guys. Guys are always on the verge of committing adultery. I could be in a bar back when I was worldly and, you know, meet a woman and 20 minutes later be in her apartment having sex with her. And even though I've been a Christian for 25 years, it's still right there. You know, I can always fall back into that. I'm like, whoa, I would hate to be your wife. You see, you should not be living on the verge of falling all the time. And if you are, it's because you're not allowing God to satisfy your heart deeply with his love, with a sense of how much you're worth in the light of the cross. The Bible says, by your fruits you shall know them, right? Matthew 7:16 through 19 says, Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. I know some of you that are here listening to my voice, you're people who have been affected by someone else's sexual sin. And I often hear from people who have been affected by someone else's sexual sin, well, but... Should I trust this person again? You know, they've been telling me they've been forgiven by God and I ought to forgive them and trust them again. Let me be really delicate on that because I know there are also people here who have betrayed their spouses or their children or their beloved people in their families by falling into sexual sin, by crawling into sexual sin, by making repeated choices and coming to the point where they fall into something. I don't want to be harsh on those of you who have fallen into those things and you feel terrible, you feel devastated. But realize that that process that you've gone through makes it difficult for people to trust you. It's going to take time and you're going to have to really invest in showing the fruits of repentance and in living a life that proves that you're trustworthy. But you can regain trust again. Now, there are some areas in which... When a person has fallen into sexual sin, particularly when they are older, mature, they're mentoring other people, they have, you know, broken the vows of marriage, they're in ministry, anything like that, when you have all of those additional responsibilities and you still were willing to push all of those things aside and say, but this sexual sin is more important to me, you have done some really deep-rooted lying to yourself in thinking that you could get away with this, that somehow... This sin would not bear fruit in your life. This is why our church has to be very careful in who they put into spiritual positions of leadership. We cannot just say, you know, as much as I would love to say the Lord cleanses from all kinds of sin, you can be set free. You know, there's a church nearby us that has several... Um, People who were former pedophiles attending it. And those men all sit together. They have a specified area of the church where they sit. They sit at one table in the the potluck, you know. They're not allowed to go somewhere alone with children. I I don't mean for a second that they aren't just as forgiven, just as set free, just as loved by Jesus, but that sometimes our consequences, particularly when a person has been in a high position of trust and they've violated that because there are too many souls at stake when a person has violated those, those boundaries in the midst of such profound warnings that they could be in terrible trouble and they can ruin their lives and the lives of others. So God wants us to understand all sins grow from these roots, forsaking God and self-centeredly attempting to replace him with something or someone else. Whatever it is, I don't know what your roots are. It's easy for me to stand up here and say, okay, there are these roots, and if you're struggling, here are the five things that you know, must be at the heart of it. But you're going to have to go and spend your time alone with Jesus to ask him how you're forsaking him and how you're self-centeredly attempting to replace him with something or someone else. But I can tell you, these are the roots. Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have committed two evils, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is what happens. These are the two sins that are at the root of whatever it is that's driving you to your sexual sins or other sin problems in your life. When you forsake God, you dry up emotionally and spiritually. You become desperate, and you look for something or someone to make you feel better. You may go to control. You may become anorexic, trying to be controlled. I'm in control of my life. Nobody can help me. I'm going to be in charge. You may go into pleasure mode, bulimia, you know. I'm just going to gorge myself. Go to pleasure to give me what only God should be able to give me. You may go to any one of a thousand different kinds of addictions and maybe you'll stop one and then find yourself sinking into another. You leave sex and you start alcohol. You leave alcohol and you start relationships. You you leave relationships and you'll start food, you know, or movies or music. It doesn't matter. All of these things that even even things that are good gifts of god when they become the thing that is the center of your life the thing that you turn to for satisfaction instead of christ they are idols and god will have to make that idol crumble those who are in idolatrous relationships find over and over the idolatrous relationships must crumble it's an act of love for god to make them crumble because he wants to bring you back to himself whatever it is you're battling with god wants to set you free you know, I've, I've talked with so many people who battle with sexual addictions and i found so many of them have a common root of being abused in the past or, you know, just having this mindset of God cannot forgive me either for their own sin or God cannot cleanse me from what somebody else did to me. That is unbelief. And when a person confesses their sin of what they've done, they must also confess that heart attitude that led them to do this that unbelief Lord I confess to you I have not believed your promise when you said if I confess my sins you will be faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness when you actually believe and internalize that powerful promise you will find that God will do everything that you could ask or think when you get up from your knees and you go wow I really am set free by the blood of Christ Wow, what a difference it will make. The love that you feel pouring out in your heart, the gratefulness to your Redeemer will be a fountain of blessing reversing that process. So now you drink deeply from the fountain of God's love. You believe for the first time maybe how much He loves you, how much He's willing to sacrifice to save you. Now when He satisfies your heart, you're not going to be driven to look for the the broken cisterns, the things that might make you feel at least a little bit better for a while. Instead, you'll drink deeply of God's love. This is how you reverse that cycle and find freedom and healing. Um, We're going to have an anointing service now for those who have come here and wanted to surrender something to the Lord. We mentioned this yesterday. Not everyone needs to. Don't feel any obligation. But yesterday we talked about sexual abuse and today about sexual addiction. And I know there are people who are here not because of either one of those problems, but something entirely different that you want to hand over to Christ. Maybe you don't want to say to anyone else what it is. That's fine. But if there's some area of brokenness in your life that you would like to bring to Christ, we want to offer you this opportunity to come forward and to surrender that. We're going to have a time of prayer and asking the Lord to take those burdens from our shoulders. Uh, My husband will explain you a little bit more about this.
0: I want to thank Nicole for sharing so deeply. And I I know that this is something that, let's be honest, all of us have struggled with addiction of some kind at some stage. Would you agree? And so this is common to all of us. So what we're going to do now is we'd like to have a time of prayer. And following that time of prayer, we're going to invite those who are interested in the anointing, Uh, to come up and we would like to try and pray individually just short prayers with each person being anointed Uh, but that will depend on the numbers but we would like to have a common time of prayer for everyone and i'm going to invite uh, steve nelson to come up as well and what we'll do if you can however you would feel comfortable praying if you want to kneel if you want to be seated uh, that would be fine and we will just have a time where each one of us in the front here will just pray a prayer for healing in your life and then those who would like anointing just come right up to the front on both sides and then the three of us will go through and have a prayer for you and if there are any other elders here who would like to join us in do, doing doing an that anointing, that would be helpful. Thank you. I'm going to begin. Steve, would you like to begin in a prayer and then I'll pray and then Nicole will finish and then we'll have the anointing. Yes, why don't we go ahead and read the scripture first, and then we will go into the prayer.
2: After the prayer, we're just going to ask those who don't want to be part of the anointing service, if you would just quietly leave so that we can allow God's spirit to do what he is wanting to do in healing. We're going to read from James chapter 5. I'll read from the new King James. King James is very similar. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. And in the passage we're going to look at here, is anyone among you sick? And we know that we talked about this, Nicole has talked about this is something God needs to heal in your life. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And here is the promise. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And God will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We know that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Our prayers ascend to God's throne through him. And his prayer for you will heal you. I believe that. Let's bow our heads. Our gracious Father, we come before you first thanking you for the privilege that you've given us to come here today and to learn from your word, from your instruction here through Nicole, how you want to heal your people, how we can be restored into the image of Christ, how we can be made new through Jesus Christ. And we come here Father because we are seeking that, that special promise that's in your word that you will heal those who in faith reach out to you unable to heal ourselves but claiming the promise that you will do it for us. And Father I ask right now that each one of us search our hearts. Lord, that we ask if there's any sin in our heart that would block this fulfillment of your promise in your life, that we surrender it to you now, that you will show it to us, Lord, and in your strength and your grace, we give it to you, asking for your cleansing power. I thank you, Father, for the promise in your word. I'm asking, Lord, that only your spirit be here. If anything would block the working of your spirit to be removed from this room, that Jesus Christ be glorified and lifted up through his word. I pray this in his precious name. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you have already seen us and you know us. Uh, you, we can't embarrass you. We can't shock you because you're already aware of it. And so, Lord, we bring you our brokenness, knowing that you are in the business of healing, both physical and spiritual. On behalf of everyone here, Lord, I acknowledge my sins, just as each person here acknowledges their sins. We bring them to you. We bring particularly those areas of our life that have suffered from sexual battering and from addiction. Lord, may you heal us because we cannot help ourselves, but you can help us. Father, now we ask for your power, the same power that raised the dead, to raise us from spiritual death to new life. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Lord Jesus, you know our hearts nothing is hid from your sight. Lord, we bring to you the deepest parts of who we are today. Thank you, Lord, that you know us deeply and you love us unconditionally. Thank you, Lord, that we can find our sense of lovability and worth in you and to know that there's nothing we can do that can take away in the slightest from how much you value us. I pray not just for victory over the the sins that we've been committing, the sins that so many people here have been battling to overcome, but the, the root sins, the pride and unbelief that have led us to look to other things or other people to satisfy us instead of to you. Lord, we repent of those root sins and we ask that you will begin that process of revealing to us day by day for the rest of our lives where the root sins are so that we may keep surrendering them to you moment by moment and finding progressive victory and freedom not just from sin but even from the temptation. As we find in you healing, Lord, you've promised just like the physical healing you could give when you walked this earth and touched people that you will give us emotional and spiritual healing too both as an event of sanctification right now and a process that will continue throughout our lives. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, Visit us online at gycweb.org.